Hello everyone, my name is Dylan Holiday, and this is Paranormal Analytical. I'm Dylan Holiday, but everyone just likes to call me Big Quincy. This week we have my special temporary co-host, Kristen Lee. Say hello, Kristen. Hello! And we have a fantastic guest with us, Mr. Dave Springs. Dave, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a full-time paranormal investigator. I'm ex-military and federal and law enforcement, retired of 20 years. And uh, I travel the country investigating, researching the paranormal in all aspects. I'm also recently an author of my first book. My second book is due out any day. Um, and uh, I'm constantly in pursuit of uh, answers to some of man's greatest questions. What happens to us when we die? Are there unknown creatures walking among us, and are we alone in the universe? So, you know, let's just start off here with square square one. We obviously understand that you're invested in the paranormal and supernatural, but where did all this start? Well, I had a uh, couple of encounters uh, very, uh, very, you know, as a young man when I was pretty young, 1983. Me and my grandfather were on a fishing trip here in West Virginia and uh, we had an encounter with a Bigfoot and that's really what all started me you know into wanting to find answers into what the hell it was that I saw that day and a few years later with my other grandfather I saw him the night he died at my dad's house and I didn't know he was dead until the next day and those two things right there just really kind of set me on my path uh, into trying to find answers to these things. Now, when you finally took your first case, and this could be your Bigfoot story or any paranormal stories, but when you finally took your first case, how did you prepare for that? What kind of things did you do? Well, I really prepared much before I ever had a real case. I mean, I started, um, I didn't know how to go about it, you know, and over the years when I was young, researching and trying to find answers to what it was that I experienced and what I saw those two on those two occasions, um, I came across the show In Search Of, and it had a guy on there named Hans Holzer, and he was carrying around a tape recorder with the old plug-in microphone, and I had one just like it I had gotten for Christmas, and he was doing EVPs, and I said, hey, I can do that. So that's really what I started doing when we would go on family vacations to like Native American ruins. Like the first place I ever captured an EVP was at Mesa Verde uh, um, National Park. And, and it has to do with the Anastasis, you know. So I would take my recorder along and I would just ask questions. And lo and behold, I got uh, Native American uh, chanting and drumming there way, way back. And so, did, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So when you get something like that, it's very eye-opening because, you know, there was no one reenacting anything there and there was, you know, nothing nothing being played to reenact that. I mean, we're out in the middle of the, in the woods, basically, where these ruins were, and uh, I captured my first EVP. So it kind of just snowballed from there, you know, and then as I got older... Um, word of mouth with friends and family members you know talking about well i know a guy that does that because they had something going on in their house or their friend's house and you know i started going into people's homes and trying to collect evidence and either debunk what they thought was paranormal phenomena or capture evidence of those things that they were claiming were going on to either set their mind at ease or um you know 
say no hey you know the scratching in the walls you heard was a, a possum or a squirrel it wasn't paranormal you know so that's kind of how it all went and it just snowballed over the years and now what was your initial feeling on that you know either when you first heard that that you know native american chanting or, or just your feeling throughout that investigation how did you feel event of some lost time you know some little piece of time that replays over and over again in that particular area and i actually captured it on tape and it was mind-blowing to me you know um so we know that you're writing books um and you, you know you brought them up very early what's your favorite book that you've written and why can you tell us a little bit about it well, I've written a couple of books, and um, the first one is on the shelf at the moment and never was released for many reasons, but the one that came out was the Bigfoot book first last year, and basically, I'm kind of going in order of like how I got into the paranormal. You know, The first book I put out was a Bigfoot book because that's what started me in the paranormal. Second book that's coming out anytime now is uh, called Real West Virginia Hauntings. And um, it entails many, many uh, locations that I've investigated in the state. And I've got enough literally to do probably five books on this in this series because it's going to have at least one investigation in every single county in West Virginia. And there's 55 counties. So you can imagine, you know, how many uh, books that, that could entail. And of course, some counties have many more than one account from me you know i've got over 30 years in doing this and the bulk of my work is in west virginia so um i was i'm the only person that's ever been allowed to investigate the actual greenbrier ghost house a very famous ghost story and that'll be in this book and uh and as you can see on the cover you know if you look on my website the cover has the greenbrier ghost on it because you know it's all entailed with west virginia and whatnot so hey dave what's your website um, www.davespinksparanormalinvestigator.com. Thank you. If you go on the store page, it shows the books. It's not available yet, but it will be soon. So, um, you're a member of the Society of the Supernatural. Who are the members, and what do they bring to the table? I'm the co-founder of Society of Supernatural. Okay. Me, and, me and David Weatherly founded this group of people. Uh, first, it was just started with us two, and uh, you know we had talked about we didn't want um, basically your everyday run-of-the-mill paranormal investigative group. We uh, wanted to seek out people that had vast experience in the field, uh, in various fields in the paranormal. And David had the, the great idea of modeling after the old London Ghost Club, you know, and it's a it's an ongoing process, really. We just started this thing a couple of years ago, and we've added a bunch of members. Kristen is one. Um, we have Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's written, I don't know, over 60 books in the paranormal, probably the number one paranormal author in the world, I would say. We have um, Ross Allison, who owns Spooks, Spooked in Seattle. Uh, a paranormal museum in, in the underground of Seattle, and he also travels the uh, college lecture circuit and has for many years. 
uh, speaking on topics at colleges on the paranormal. We have um, Barry Gaunt, who's been like way high up in MUFON for many, many years. Um, uh, he was, now he does his own thing, and he still has a lot of contacts in MUFON and whatnot. Um, and we have Eric Altman, who is a very well-known uh, cryptozoologist out of Pennsylvania and has been around for a very long time. So we're bringing all these different people that actually have things to bring to the table uh, as far as the group of Society of Supernatural. Uh, and, of course, the co other co-founder, my good friend David Weatherly, world-renowned author, wrote the book Black-Eyed Kids, Strange Intruders, and many more. He's got umpteen new books out um and is a world traveler and investigator of the strange um and he also like myself uh investigates all aspects of the paranormal not just hauntings do you guys have any events up and coming yes we have uh, an event coming up this year at uh willow's weep my haunted house in indiana that we are gonna be having uh John Zaffis is our headliner, and it'll be me and Weatherly and him investigating Friday night inside the house for a VIP event. And then Saturday, we have a whole host of great speakers there. Kristen Lee, Barry Gaunt, and um, the uh, original Paris sisters out of uh, Indiana. They're a home group. And we also have some friends helping out with the event. Um, Jeff Phillips and his friends uh, are known as Paranormal Indy. They'll be kind of home hosting the event for us helping out with everything and uh you know it's gonna be a great day so a couple of days you know you you talked about bigfoot at the very beginning uh what's your take on bigfoot do you think he's a multi-dimensional being yeah. you know that's often brought up you know is bigfoot a multi-dimensional being how do you feel about that well I'm on the fence on it because I, I know what I saw was a living and breathing creature, but I don't know if it's interdimensional, if it's an ET, or if it's the missing link between man and ape. I don't know. You know, um, that's why I'm still researching and investigating it. Uh, no, no one knows. You know, there's many different theories. You know, you have all these reports of uh, UFOs and then people seeing Bigfoot or vice versa. People seeing Bigfoot, and then they see strange lights in the sky right after or at the same time. Uh, you have reports of people seeing a Bigfoot walking in the woods. They're they're trailing it. It goes behind some brush and poof, disappears into thin air. The tracks stop and everything. Um, there's multiple accounts like this from all around the world. So we don't know what it is. You know, no. If anyone says they know what it is for sure, they're full of it because there's no proof of what it is. There's no body uh, that's at least publicly known that has been captured of this creature. So, you know, it's just, uh, it is what it is at this time. You know, I'm not going to say I know what it is because I don't. You know, uh, Rick Warren here in the chat, uh, I know you answered this question, but I guess just to reiterate, um, what was your reaction to the first encounter you had with an entity? <laughs> or actually physically having something happen to me. Uh, we'll go, I mean, we'll go physically, know, I guess. It'd be more specific on the question. I guess we'll go physically. I'll just make that decision for him. Well, obviously, when you've come to the realization that something is strong enough to punch through to our world, the living of the living, and physically touch you or scratch you or injure you, 
or even interact with you. I mean, I've had numerous times where things have like an invisible force would shoot right through me and you could feel that the, the energy from that thing, or I've been scratched. I mean, it's, it's pretty unnerving really because you can't see it, but you felt it, you know, and that to me is, is pretty mind blowing in itself. I've had numerous experiences like that over my time. I've got videos where something actually uh, put a knot on my head and cut me on that knot. And I was bleeding at a certain location. You know, um, I've been scratched. I had a, I had a blood vessel in my left eye explode at a location one time. Uh, and I've never had anything, you know, happen to my eyes like that before or after. Uh, or, you know, and um, just all kinds of different experiences. The first time that that really startled me was when I captured a shadow figure at, at Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum walking across the hallway on camera. And I didn't see it happen live, but we had a bunch of stuff going on at the time. Um, and then I replayed the video later at home and clear as day, man, there, you know, there's a shadow figure that you can see the head, the arms, the shoulders, and the legs just walk right across the hall like it was nothing. And you're like, holy, I mean, to me, that's, you know, when you capture something like that, it's just phenomenal. I mean, that's kind of like the holy grail uh, evidence-wise, you know. And it's mind-blowing because you get validation immediately. You know what you're doing, you know, is real, and it's all for, it's not all for naught, you know. There's something else out there that we just don't understand, and people are capturing it on digital recorders, on video, on still pictures, and uh, that's kind of why we do what we do. So you brought up, you know, something being out there that we don't know. So what's your take on extraterrestrials? You mean do I do I think they exist? Yes. Yeah, I do without a shadow of a doubt, hundred percent. Now, have you yourself had any experiences with any ETs? Um, not with an ET per se, but I've seen craft in the sky. You, get, you know, don't forget I was in the U.S. Air Force for nine or eight years. I was around every aircraft we have that that's known, you know, top secret and regular aircraft. And I've seen stuff in the sky. You know, I was I was also grew up as an Air Force brat, so technically I've spent more than half my life around military bases and on military bases. And I've seen things in the sky that I know for a fact that uh, we do not have, you know. So, and and going beyond that, really, you know, mathematically, it's pretty much an impossibility that there's not other intelligent life in our, in our own galaxy and Milky Way, uh, you know. Read it. Google it, and you'll learn that mathematically it is pretty much an impossibility that uh, there is not intelligent life out there. So, you know, you brought up uh, some EVPs you've captured and some, you know, shadowmen you've captured. What are some other things that you were able to capture? Well, at Kristen's house, we caught a phenomenal piece of evidence, uh, the Belair house. Um, we were getting some activity on the stairway because a lot of times that stairway is really active. And we had a rim pod going off, and I was filming it with a FLIR camera, thermal camera. And it was me and Weatherly there. And I heard something off to my right, and I panned the FLIR camera over there, you know, real slow over in the uh, where the round table is now, or was. I don't know if it's still there now, but by the front door. And I pound, uh, uh, panned back toward the stairs. And, you know, 
didn't see it when it happened live because there was so much stuff going on. But when I replayed that video, I mean, clear the bell in the middle of the room. There's a half of a humanoid torso just floating in midair there. And it showed up on the FLIR. Um, you can clearly see it. Kristen's seen it. I mean, it was all over coast to coast. I mean, you know, they put it up on their stuff and everything. We had some people look at it and they verified it did in fact show a real image of something that was there. So, you know, again, another example of something pretty phenomenal we captured in the in the paranormal world of evidence capturing <laughs> in my in my point of view. So it was a pretty great piece of evidence. You've been Dave, I think that the um, most unexplained event that we had at the Belair House was with your car. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy night there. Um the last time we were there is during our event that we had up in Wheeling. Um, we had an event last year, Society Supernatural. We put it on, you know, Kristen and us and everybody. And we were staying in the Blair House, so of course we're going to investigate it. <laughs> you know, and um, we had all this crazy stuff going on. Um, the camera rig had a FLIR camera on it and a regular IR camera was filming Ross in the really bad bedroom. And he was up there by himself. And the FLIR camera simply flew off the camera rig all by itself. He was all the way across the room. It scared the hell out of him. So we heard him almost scream pretty much when he said, what's wrong? We ran up there. And apparently he had been yelling for us for quite some time and we never heard him. And then after that, like he left outside to take a break because he was pretty wigged out and I don't know how long it went by. It wasn't that long, but we started yelling for him and there was no answer. We even went outside. I yelled for him. I mean, I yelled loud too. I mean, the people down the street could have heard me yelling his name and he never answered. So we started freaking out, searching the house and about five minutes went by. I was running through the house, up and down, yelling his name in the basement, up in the attic. I mean, he was nowhere to be found. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Did he take off? And then finally I heard, david talking to him outside so we run down there and said where were you dude he's like i've been standing right here by the light pole the whole time and he's like you didn't hear us yelling screaming at the top of your of our lungs your name and he said no and all this other stuff transpired and we figured out that whatever it was was manipulating our hearing and his hearing and so the next day um i've been having problems with the tire on my car I had a cracked rim and didn't know it and it was parked right there beside the house and I had had to call and order a new rim and while the guy had it in I had to go pick it up the next morning and so I was pumping the tire up and the e-brake was set all the way down as I'm pumping up the tire and I was taking stuff in and out of the car and it wasn't even where it was parked it's not even really an incline right there because my car was all the way up on this area and I was in the house and I hear Ross start screaming, your car, your car. And I run outside. My car is going backwards over the hill and hits a tree in the across the street in the yard of these apartment complex. So I run over there. I'm looking and the e-brake's still all the way down. And I'm like, how could that be? Well, in the meantime, a cop shows up and he's like, man, I think you can get it off that tree with no problem you know and he just said you know wiggle it off of there and you'll get it off without doing any more damage so i get in there and he's standing there right with beside him. and i 
can't move the car because the e-brake's on. I have to pop the car, the e-brake to make the car move. So we're sitting there, and he's like, how in the hell did that even happen? That It shouldn't have went anywhere. The e-brake was all the way down, you know, and you, I saw you pop it. And, and you know, we don't have a physical, I mean, we can't say without a shadow of a doubt it was paranormal, but, you know, it, it was pretty uh, telltelling that uh, something really, really weird happened there. And I, I took the car in, had it checked out. <coughs> Got the feedback. So. And, and uh, the e-brake was functioning fine. There's nothing wrong with it. They put it in, uh, you know, put the e-brake down. Had like eight guys trying to push the car backwards. So what happened there, you know? So what you're saying is it was something, you know, you can't say it was paranormal for certain, but you're certainly saying it's something you've never experienced. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, to us, you know, to us, we say that, you know, a lot of times there's no such thing as that much coincidence, you know, with all the things we experienced that night and, the, and then going into the next morning, you know, we feel that something uh, may have, in fact, uh, done that, you know, to my vehicle. So I don't know. We can't we can't say, you know. You know, you guys got to remember, you know, a lot of this stuff is all theory. You know, a lot of it's theory still. We're still trying to push the envelope to carry the field to the next, uh, you know, step it up and move it to the next phase, you know. And uh, the field's really been stuck for the last 80, 100 years, you know, other than technology. We're moving up in technology now, so I think that's going to help uh, all the paranormal fields, uh, per se, uh, eventually. Um, so you said that you've been investigating for 30 years? Over 30. I mean, I, you know, of course I became interested as a young man after my encounters, you know, with my grandpa and then with the other grandpa with the Bigfoot. So really, you know, I wouldn't say I've been probably investigating since in my late teens, early 20s, you know, actually going out and conducting investigations, trying to capture EVPs and, and whatnot. And, uh. So, you know, from 13 to that time, I was just reading and trying to find anything and everything I could about the paranormal and learning about different aspects of it. So what would you say is like the most important lesson that you've learned in all your years investigating? Um, there's a lot of them, man, really. I mean, basically, you got to, you know, don't watch TV. Here's here's a really good one for everybody out there listening don't watch TV and think that's how you conduct an investigation because that's really not how it's done, okay? First, you need to read. You need to educate yourself on, one, basic terminology. And, you know, there's so many genres, so many different fields you could go into in the paranormal itself, you know? It's not just one overall deal. Um, I would liken it to going to college and taking all kinds of different courses because there's so many different aspects to all of it. You know, you could spend a lifetime basically in one aspect of it. Um, metaphysics, for instance, or, you know, just different types of hauntings, uh, ufology, cryptozoology. I mean, there's so many different things you can go into. You know, you want to have a good basic working knowledge of everything and then pick and choose what you're most interested in and read everything you can find on it then start learning about it, start going on investigations with people that have a lot of experience, you know, and then formulate your own opinions and, uh, 
uh, investigation techniques after you've done some uh, major investigating with another team of experienced individuals. Is That's about the best advice I could give you. So this is, this is a question for myself because I personally am a bit of a skeptic. Do you see skepticism in the paranormal as a bad thing or as a good thing? No, it's not. It's never a bad thing because you have to remain... Um, you have to remain a skeptic as an investigator anyway, because, um, not everything is paranormal. You know, you have to debunk things. Um, but you also have to remain open-minded. You can't, you know, hardcore scientific minded people, if they can't recreate it then they just you know, brush it off as, oh, it's not real because we can't recreate it in a lab. Well, that's, you know, not how the paranormal works. It's, it's the unexplained, you know, there's a lot more out there that we don't understand and that you can't really document scientifically at this point right now. Rick Warren asks, Maybe. Rick Warren asks in the chat, I'm sorry to cut you off there. He asks if you or anyone in your crew uh, has had to deal with an attachment. So something attaching itself to you, something following you. Oh yeah, I have. I mean, uh, you know, I had a, a after one uh, one investigation I conducted, I actually lived in a place for over a month with a group of other in, other individuals. Um, most of us had some really negative stuff happen during that investigation and well afterwards. Um, and I was cleansed by three different clergy, and everything seemed to stop overnight after that. So, yeah, I mean, it can happen. I've known plenty of other people that have had attachments. And some have quit the paranormal because of it. So, to kind of talk about that, you know, you've studied, I'm sure, a lot of cases in, in your time, and you've been to a lot of sites. What was the most profound site or case that you've studied or been to? Um, each one is different, man. I mean, it's it's like a gumball machine. You know, you never know what color you're going to get till it comes out. But, um... um I've done a lot of residentials. Um, I've seen uh, and been involved with some filming, some exorcist exorcisms. Uh, I don't really talk about the residential cases because I keep those private, and you know I'm not going to put that stuff out there. But I've seen some pretty uh, crazy things happen um, to people and in their homes and whatnot over my over my years. Um, and residentials nowadays are, you know, I mean, they're really a catch-22 because because of the television aspect of it. So many people think, you know, if they, if they may, you know, they may get on TV because they're, you know, their house is haunted. And, and some of them, I'm going to be totally honest, they fake it because they want to be on TV. So um, you really have to be careful when you're interviewing these folks and try to weed out the ones that are real and the ones that are trying to get on TV. So, well, you know, I understand you can't tell us about, you know, your residential experiences and I respect and appreciate that, but what's the craziest thing that you've seen maybe just on an investigation? Well, like I said, when something cracked my head open, that's pretty, uh, I mean, what else would you want from that? You know, yeah. something, something, uh, I've been over to set a piece of equipment down while Weatherly was doing a ghost box session. I felt this wave of energy go right through me. I felt really dizzy and disoriented. He said, what happened? And I told him, he said, you don't look good. You better sit down. 
I sat back down and I kept feeling like the cobweb sensation on my head and the ghost box responses he was getting were really negative. He had asked, what did you do to Dave? It said, I hit him. And then it laughed <laughs> like that. Um, and then he said, what did you hit him with? And the response was a shovel. And, and it was threatening, you know, kept threatening, uh, responses on the ghost boxes. And he shut the session down and we went downstairs and there was a bunch of people there. There's like 15 people down there because we had had an event earlier in the night and they were watching live on the live YouTube feed we had going. And I sat down and I still didn't feel right. And this was like 15, 20 minutes after this happened. And I felt a tickling sensation on my head and I reached up with my hand and I felt a large knot right here on my head and I felt, you know, the wetness and I pulled my hand down with my fingers and saw my fingers were covered in blood. So, you know, that was pretty freaking crazy and unnerving and just uh, blew me away that something had enough juice to punch through to our world of the living and, and physically knock me on the head. You know, and I, if you... We kind of sat back and put it all together. We lived in this place for a week That's where this happened. The net very next day, Weatherly was scratched really bad from the top of his shoulder down past his uh, belt loop line on, on his back, you know, in a place there's no way he could have re I mean, it went from the top of his shoulder down past his belt. And he had two shirts on, long sleeve and a short sleeve, and they were both tucked in. And this thing was saying on the box that it was going to slice him. And it sliced him, you know. And then he, shortly after that, he became violently ill. He had to go outside. He threw up several times. It was just a negative, negative location. And whatever it was, it was calling itself Ian, <laughs> this thing, this entity, and on the boxes. And uh, it had enough juice to punch through and uh, physically uh, hurt both of us. And, um, you know, when you realize that, that that just happened to you, it's pretty unnerving, man. Because there's some, you know, how do you explain that? So, you know, you can't. Being being hit, being scratched, and you guys were undeterred, was there any time on an investigation or on a site where you just had to leave, where something either didn't want you there and you felt it, or you just had to just get up and leave? It was that bad. Yeah, there's one instance of that um, where... We cut it. We cut it a little bit short. We had captured enough, and it was time to pack up and get the heck out of Dodge. And um, what happened was, I'll give you like the brief overview. Um, at the house during the night, we had smelled sulfur in the air. We had smelled what smelled like just rotting flesh. We had, um, in one instance, a, a recorder that was in my pocket turned off and my coat was hanging on the back of a chair i know it was off because i turned it off you know and later on i went to retrieve the recorder because it was getting cold in there and i went to turn it on and it was on already so i said what the heck is this and it was one of those recorders where it had to have two distinct functions to turn this thing on so you can't just accidentally turn it on by it being in your pocket you know what i mean so um I rewind. I hit back and I rewinded it and played, and it was these sounds that would, you know, I can only liken to being right out of a Hollywood movie. Sounds from hell. These 
ungodly moans and screams of pain and sound like people being tortured and all this shit, you know, and it was just nuts. So, you know, and at the same time, guy was with us, was holding the ghost box and he started feeling electric charges going through his hand and we were getting the uh, major EMF spikes up into a hundred on the millimeter. And, you know, so not only were we experiencing stuff physically on re on devices and everything else, but we were smelling things. We captured some uh, a really weird image uh, in the window at him that resembled a goat's head. And and as we went on through the night, we ended up upstairs, and. We were doing a ghost box session. It was a lot of negative replies coming through, uh, talking about death and demons and murder and all this crazy stuff. Well, out of nowhere, it felt like a Mack truck hit the house, and the whole house shook, and we heard uh, almost what you hear when a sonic boom happens at the same exact time. And we were like, what in the hell was that? We stopped everything, turned off the box, and stood there trying to figure out, you know, we ran to the windows, we're looking down because there was a two-lane highway probably about 40 yards from the front of the house. So we figured maybe a car had lost control and hit the house. Nothing when we went out there. There's nothing, no sign of anything. Um, so as we're looking around, the house had those old-timey heat vents, you know, the metal ones that you could see down to the next floor. And we began to hear footsteps in the, down there. And they were leading right up to the stairs, coming upstairs with us. And I always carry a, a firearm with me because I'm ex-law enforcement and stuff. And it was so loud and distinct to the point that we knew someone was coming up the stairs that shouldn't have been there. So I drew my gun out and I'm just waiting for him to come up to the top of the stairs and nothing ever happened. So at that point, we said, okay, man, we all talked. And we said, I think we captured some phenomenal stuff here tonight and now we feel like we're in danger so we're gonna cut we're, we're cutting it you know and that was one instance of that so you you talked earlier about people that you've worked with who who got out of the paranormal duty of their experiences i mean you've had some serious experiences what kept you in it what's keeping you going um i mean i I'm still seeking answers, man. I'm on my own journey. I think most of the investigators that are still out there doing this and have been doing it for a long time, they still want answers. They're still seeking, you know, hoping to find a piece of the puzzle, man. I mean, you know, that's what we do. And it, it fascinates me to this day. I mean, it still fascinates me. I could spend 12 or 24 hours or even more in a location. And if I capture one class A EVP, it fascinates me to the point where, I mean, I, I'm just... I want more, you know, and I keep going more and more and more. So, because, you know, if I know I'm the only person in a building and I ask a question and I got a digital recorder and I got an answer, a direct factual answer to my question, you know, and it's a woman or whatever it is, uh, and I know I'm the only guy there, how do you explain that? You can't. So, I, you know, I want more of that, you know. That's why I do what I do. You know, so... Talking about, you know, all these experiences, all these things that you've captured, is there a place where we can go and hear some of these EVPs or see some of these images? Do you have these on your site or anywhere? Um, I used to have them on my old website. Uh, I just redesigned it. I had a bunch of stuff up there, and I haven't put them back up yet. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll am i put some more back up eventually. But, 
you know, it's a time. I'm a very busy guy, and it's a time-consuming process. Um, if if you have any of these pictures and and you'd like to share them, I'd be more than happy to to post some up even on, on some some of our sites if if you you'd be up for that kind of thing. But that's completely up to you. Um, you know, I understand. Obviously, you work. Well, see, if you go to my YouTube channel, if you go to my YouTube channel, I mean, you can watch. There's I don't know how many hundred investigations on my YouTube channel, you know, and it has some of that evidence in it. So, you know, it's a uh, real supernatural on YouTube. Kristen, you, you've been a little quiet so far. Do you have anything to chime in with? Did we lose? And society, there's two. Um, you know, I was just, uh, I'm collecting data for the Belair House for like the social psychology part of it. And um, I ask a question in the chat room, but maybe you two can answer too or whatever. But has anybody ever doubted the person who wasn't there? Like there was like when. Now, if you've been raised hardcore religious your whole life, you know, there's no doubt in your mind. You doubt. I mean, I guess everybody's different, you know. For me, I've questioned it my whole life, you know, but then I've had experiences that say otherwise. And um, I don't know if we are even allowed to know that information. But I've seen enough and bits and pieces of it that I know there's something else going on. I don't think we just die and that's it. I think our energy transforms into something uh, and goes somewhere else. What it is, I don't know. But Right. We were talking the other my, day. I mean, that's my take on it. And taking that a step further, you know, how we perceive it, our, our perception on our belief system you know, I think that perhaps maybe we take that with us. I mean, what we believe is what actually manifests to our, you know, other things, so other things will manifest. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know, man. There's a lot of stuff going around right now metaphysically. I mean, we're heading into Mercury retrograde and there's like a humongous comet shower at the end of April. It's going to shift a lot of different things that are coming up, you know? How do you think that, have you ever, um, you know, here's a good one, Dave. What do you think about the moons? Like, do you, when you do investigations and they're like a super moon or a blue moon or just a plain old full moon or new moon or dark moon, you know? Well, here's the thing, Chris. You know, we have some of the craziest stuff go down on full moon nights, man. I mean, it was nuts. Some of the most craziest shit you can ever imagine. And many of my friends that were even in the medical field, nurses and, and paramedics, they, they always, it was an ongoing standard joke. It was a known thing, you know, up oh, full moon's coming up this weekend. Get ready. It's going to be off the hook. Right. You know, and that and that's real. You can ask any law enforcement officer, any nurse, and especially in the ERs and stuff, you can ask them all and they'll tell you the same thing. 
and on the full moon in the paranormal same same thing you know and i'm still doing stuff on that myself you know i, I try to go out on full moon night sometimes and see and, and it's been might be at a location i've been to many many times and see if it's any different on a full moon full moon night versus a regular night you know just a regular night on the in the month so yeah you know oh uh, and we all know that the full moon does affect the tides on the earth and the magnetic field as well so Everything's tied in energy-wise, in my point of view. Uh, mm -hmm. All that stuff is tied in. You know, we humans, we have an electromagnetic field of our own, you know, and I think it does affect people. And there's been a recent study uh, in Russia that went through the 90s that pretty much confirmed that. Um, and that the solar, also the, the, the solar uh, electromagnetic deal from the sun does affect people. And they've done yeah. a massive study on that. And uh, it disrupts our electromagnetic magnetic field uh, in humans as well, and uh, does affect us negatively. And they always say, if you are feeling the blues, soak up the sun. You know, <laughs> to increase the you know dopamine and serotonin, vitamin D, and all yeah. that. Yeah. They always say that, but it's actually a negative. Well, no. Uh, when it, when there's massive solar storms. Oh, okay. Is when it when it messes with us. No, regular sunlight's good for you. I mean, it just like you said, it increases your dopamine and your vitamin D and all that stuff. Yeah. But when there's solar storms and they and they interact with the Earth, uh -huh. the Earth's magnetic field, it also interacts with our personal magnetic fields and messes us up as well, and and causes some people to have hallucinations and all kinds of things. Wow. Well, folks, as our show winds down this week. You know, I, I like to end the show the same way each week. I like to ask for final thoughts, and your final thought can be just a message that you'd like to share, or, or really just anything that you're feeling. And so, uh, I'd like to pass it to you first, Dave, for just your final thoughts for today. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, if you're into the paranormal, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I think the more people that are into it, helps the field in general you know uh unfortunately i wish folks would uh, do more working together instead of against each other but you know that's a known thing in the paranormal field that we hope to change someday um and uh be kind to everyone man you know love love one another stop the hate stop the backstabbing and uh respect each other that's about all i can tell you <laughs> Kristen, passing it over to you for final thoughts. Final thoughts. I want to talk about the event at Willow's Weep on Solstice Weekend. Remind me of that date. Do you remember what the date is for Willow's Weep event? June 21st is the ghost hunt. June 22nd is the all-day speakers event and vendors and all that. And that's at Willow's Weep in Indiana. Yeah, Cayuga, Cayuga Indiana, Willow's Weep House. So I'm excited about that. I'm really looking forward to coming up for that. It's going to be a good time. So um, with the hunt on the on the solstice, is anybody doing any rituals or cleansings or anything like that? Is there anything spiritually being done? No. Maybe build a little fire and, and pull in some good energy? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn. No. Come on, Dave. <laughs> I'm, I, like I said, I'm keeping the house 
as is. I don't want uh, it's my own lab to speak, so to speak, you know. So I don't want anything being changed with it right now because I uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to document the paranormal evidence. So you know, I'm going to keep it the way it is. What about a little fire? Just a little fire and some hot uh, dogs, uh, marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But. I mean, we could do some fire ITC or something, but... Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've done that at the house on Halloween night before, so it's pretty off the chain. That's great. I'll write that down and remind you of that fire ITC. Goody gumdrops. Well, I guess that just leaves me. You know, we, we kind 